like I Hold your head up high Till you find the bluebird of happiness You will find greater peace of mind Knowing there's a bluebird of happiness Welcome back to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In each episode of this podcast, I look at one of the works of Philip K. Dick. And in this story uh, that we're going to look at today, uh, The War with the Fnools, we're actually entering into the final volume of Dick's uh, collected stories. Um, this, the main publication of these, of course, there's a lot of anthologies and things, but the main collected uh, stories is five volumes uh, put out by Citadel and a few other presses. I have different versions of it, but um, yeah, we're in the last volume. Um, that, that covers the stories written between 1964 and, and the end of Dick's career, including a few posthumously collected uh, published stories. Um, mostly, this is stuff written in the in the late mid to late 60s and the 70s, and then there's a few stories he, he, he wrote later on, just sporadically, um, just a handful after 1980. So those kind of we'll look at those when we're looking at the Vallis works of of the early '80s. So yeah, we're reaching the end of the short of his short story career, and it's something we've talked a lot about in this podcast. How you know Dick's short story writing is really front loaded. It really comes out the bulk of it comes out of just a three or four years of writing in the mid '50s, and then from that point on, he mostly wrote novels. But a lot of the stories he he publishes in the '60s, I think, are very interesting, and they're really of you know, they, they feel like a lot of the 60s novels, so I like them in that sense. I, I think this, the novels from the 60s are some of the greatest um, of his works. Um, and and I, I really like them, especially 1964 is a great year. And that's where we're at now. We're, we're looking at the stories written in 1964. Um, and this one, The War with the Fnools, is, is it's a bit, it reminds me a bit like Ode to be a Blobal, which we've already looked at. In the sense that it's dealing with a war with a very strange and foreign and different antagonist, and then the consequences of that. This this story, though, that story, oh, to be a global, is at least a very fairly serious look at relationships and and marriages and how a working couple can relate. This story is a little bit more um, silly, I guess, um, but it's, there's a lot of fun to be had in this story. It was originally published in Galaxy Galactic, sorry, Galactic Outpost in the spring of 1964, and as I already said, it can be found in the fifth volume of the collected works of, of Philip K. Dick. The version I have is titled "The Eye of the Civil," um, and it depends on the version you buy. You might get a different title. Um, I think the original name was "The Little Black Box," which actually is, is a better story to to make us the title. But I don't, I don't know why "Eye of the Civil" is picked. It's not like there was any movies or anything based on that. It's not. Like, it's kind of Unless you know, you know, Roman culture, it's, it's a bit not clear what it's really talking about. But I don't know, maybe they, they just like the picture they wanted to use. That kind of seemed to fit with that story. But anyways, that's that's the version I have. And and uh, that's the one I'll be using for, for the remainder of the stories in this series. Okay, as always, I, I start with just talking about what's the content of the story and then and following that up with a little bit of analysis. So here we have a, a CIA agent named Captain Edward. Lightfoot, and he gets news that the Fanuels have come back. 
and taken over the town of Provo. This is this is a war that's been going on for quite a while, and you know the Fanuls always always seem to arrive and and take over some town or do an attack, and then they get pushed off, and then they'll come back a little bit later. And this time they arrive as tiny real estate salesmen, and by tiny it's it means literally tiny. They're they're short little like three foot people. And this war has been raging on for a very, very long time. And they've been trying to take over the soul system, the, the, our, you know, our system. But they do so as two or three foot tall creatures. And they look very ridiculous and they don't seem to carry on much of a threat. The, they have this one talent, though, that gives them this edge in the, in the war is that they have the ability to copy human forms. But they do it so awkwardly that they're really conspicuous. In fact, this is very much like another short story Dick wrote about an invasion by people who don't quite get what it means to be human, and therefore the invasion is easily seen and easily prevented. And that story is called Explorers We. Dick published it in 1959. You can go back into this podcast and, and find my comments on that story. So anyways, they, a captured Fanul is brought before this CIA agent, Lightfoot, for questioning. And the Fanul insists that he will, they will win victory over the Terrans eventually, and while he makes a threat, he never quite gives up his cover as a real estate salesman. So it's kind of humorous that he seems to admit he's a fanul, he's an alien, but at the same time he has this persona, uh, this acting as a real estate salesman. But again, it's so awkward. Here the awkwardness comes out really at their size. Um, but also I think it's an over-the-top portrayal of these archetypes. It, it's almost like if, if um, where is it? It's in Human Is, where you have an alien who poses as as a husband and ends up being a very good husband but what he learns about marriage seems to come from popular culture and television series so he watched american tv and then uses that to say well this is how a husband acts right or it's like someone wants to you know join a gangster you know join a gang join the mafia and they just watch godfather movies and they use that as the key as, as the example of you know how to live and how to talk and how to act before going in. It's kind of like that. Um, in fact, there's another really good short story written, I think, back in the 30s. Maybe the story is called Helen and Oloy, which is an early story about people falling in love with a with a robot. And there, the, the robot learns how to be a wife from television as well. So anyways, um, so th meanwhile, while this interrogation is going on, the Germans received news of a Fanul attack and have prepared an anti-Fanul unit, which is made up of humans shrunk to less than a meter high. So I guess then the idea is that these short humans will then be able to infiltrate the Fanul society. In the Soviet part of the world, plans are already being made to stop the Fanul invasion as well, but they, but they also work on plans to put to capture Fanuls to work or even use them as, as special brigades. So there's different strategies in the earth of what to do about these Fanuls. Now they're all kind of annoyed by it. It's none of them see it as an existential threat. So the Soviets, for instance, they want to make, you know, kind of incorporate the Fanuls into their own society in some way or maybe make them military units on, on their own. Lightfoot is trying to convince the Fanul how silly their plan to invade Earth is. They, and here's the key. They don't seem to notice that they're only two feet tall and that if, and they, they can be identified. That's, why they're, that's how they fail, right? The idea of infiltrating Earth is good, I guess, but they, they just look so preposterous. And I, it's not quite clear why they don't know that maybe they don't have this concept of height or height's not culturally relevant you know it's like i read an article at one point about how like the ancients didn't have the concept of blue right like 
course, they saw colors that we would now identify as blue, but they called them different things, right? So they didn't have that concept of the color blue. Maybe a similar thing is here where they don't have the concept of height or something. So it's just beyond them. Anyways, um, Lightfoot jokes that cigarettes will make them grow and then maybe they'll have a better chance, right? So the Fanul tries the cigarette and he does indeed grow to four feet. Meanwhile, Major Hawk, who defeated the Fanuls in two previous invasions, realizes that they're going to win this time. And this is sometime in the future. Um, and he retreats to a bomb shelter with Mrs. Smith, a secretary in the CIA offices. They go to the bomb shelter together, but uh, Major Hawk leaves, um, leaves for a bottle of scotch, and he promises to return immediately into the, into the shelter. Meanwhile, uh, Lightfoot is with two captured Fanuls. They head to Hawk's office, and Lightfoot begins drinking from a bottle of scotch. This gives the Fanul a chance to steal his gun. Drinking the scotch makes the Fanul six feet tall. Hawk arrives for his scotch and saves Lightfoot. They think if they can grow the Fanuls again, right, not to six feet, but have them drink some more scotch, right, and have them grow even taller, then the same preposterous uh, reality will, will, will be affected, right? They're, they'll be too tall, so it'll be easily identified. So the plan now is to grow the Fanuls even taller. They'll lose the recently discovered advantage of being the same height as, as humans. If the cigarette grows them, followed by scotch, what is next, they wonder. Um, their question is answered when an eight-foot-tall Fanul leaves the bunker after having sex with Mrs. Smith. So um, it seems cigarettes makes them four feet tall, scotch makes them six feet tall, and then sex makes them eight feet tall, right? And of course, cigarettes, scotch, and sex, they, they're kind of grouped, grouped, grouped together, right, uh, in, in American culture. So that's the story. Yeah, it's really silly. It ends up being basically a, a sex joke. Um, but, um, you know, maybe there's some things we can work with in this story. Well, first of all, let's just take it as a joke. It, it, it is, first and foremost, a joke. The punchline rests on the kind of this three-step move towards coitus. You smoke a cigarette, drink a scotch, and then finally you get the girl. Each stage elevates the size of the fanules. At, almost as if these things are stages to maturity, right? Like you smoke your first cigarette, you have your first drink, and then you, you have your first girl. Now it does, I guess, open up the opportunity that now if we can get all the Fanuls to have sex with human women, then they'll all be so tall that, that we can save the Earth from invasion, right? But I guess it requires uh, almost uh, prostituting out Earth's women to these Fanuls, to these aliens. I'm not quite sure. I, I don't know if Dick thought through that far into the story. It doesn't really need to. Um, it kind of, like I said, it's just a joke. Um, so we get the result that we can save the Earth from invasion because the big weakness of the Vidian Fanuls is that they're not the same size as humans. But after these three steps, the Fanuls are eight feet tall, again, easily noticed. Dick, you know, in a way is presenting a very unserious look at alien invasions when he did alien invasions earlier i think the stakes were higher there were it's a little bit they weren't as jokey even in explorers we you know there's good questions about were these malevolent forces was this a full-blown invasion you know but it's there was a seriousness to it and that's lacking here and there have been efforts to try to make the invasion of earth by an alien force comical there's of course the movie mars attacks um but, you know, here Dick is, is just making it into a, a, a long, essentially a long sex joke. Uh, 
But I think thematically, this really does remind us of Explorers We, in the way that the invaders don't seem to know how strange and awkward they look. In this case, they see a real estate salesman, so they put on the clothes of a real estate salesman and think that they'll fit in. But they're completely oblivious to the fact that they look ridiculous, that they're too short. They probably don't talk right. They speak, you know, in... You know, it's like a Russian spy, right, who, who maybe doesn't quite learn American accents and, and pretends to be an American living in the suburbs, but actually is to get Russian, right? You know, this kind of thing maybe plays a big role in a lot of cross-cultural encounters. You know, someone goes to another country, tries to fit in by speaking some of the local language or dressing like a local, but is nevertheless immediately identifiable as an outsider, you know? And then if you think of it that way, maybe there's a point Dick's making here about smoking and sex and drinking being somehow key to assimilation. And certainly these are ways people bond. These are things people bond over, right? Whether it's talking about sex or it's just drinking together or, you know, a lot of cultures have drinking, you know, drinking culture is an important part of, of social bonding. You know, now we probably could think a little bit about Dick's sexism here. Um, this isn't the first time Dick presents women, I don't want to say in a bad way, because this Miss Smith is not presented in a bad way. She's just a, a sexual object for our our villain. You know, and it's certainly in the mid-60s, he's, he's got a lot of um, female characters in his novels who are not at all flattering. He often presents wives or ex-wives as abusive, adulterous, exploitative. Other women are background characters that often exist for the sexual gaze of male protagonists. I just recorded my thoughts, for instance, on... Um, the plans of the Elfane Moon, where Dick has a running gag about women who have these massive breast implants with nipple dilation, and it seems it's just there for kind of the male gaze. It's it's never really explored. There, I guess, there's one woman who says she's not going to do that kind of thing. It's a more independent woman we have, but she's odious in other ways as a character. He does sometimes write female characters that are more well developed. Um, but there's not that many of them, unfortunately. Um, and I think some of his early stories on adultery were very, very good, where we had fairly sympathetic and complex women, um, and where the men in those stories become very two-dimensional. So I, I think it's not fair to, to just give a blanket statement that he's he's sexist in the portrayal of women. I, I think there's changes, and in some ways, I think some of his early stories had more uh, nuanced ways of looking at adultery, especially in the stories like Of Withered Apples, or Out in the Garden, or uh, Beyond the Door, and Human Is. And there, the, in those stories, the men are always the, the throwaway, two-dimensional, one-dimensional character almost. But certainly the War of the Fanules is pretty bad in this regard. We have Mrs. Smith, the secretary in the CIA office. She makes the men around her uncomfortable because she has large breasts. She is scolded about how she dresses, and she's told to wear a, kind of a swaddling around her breasts so as not to distract the, the men with their important jobs. Um, now, is this a fairly accurate representation of what it was like for women to work in offices in the 50s and 60s? I, I have no doubt there's, there was all kinds of sexist evil going on in workplaces back then. Um, sexual harassment, uh, sexual assault, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, before the Me Too movement, certainly. Uh, but we have here Mrs. Smith certainly as, a, as, a, as simply a sexualized other for for men and then finally her importance in the story is ultimately to be um, a sex object for an alien as well now it maybe it has the role of helping to save the earth but it's it, you know it's she's 
you know, she's n nothing beyond her sexuality, I guess, is my point. She first attracts the gaze of Hawk, who wants to hide in the bunker with her as a pretense for a tryst, right? Because he's like, oh, you need to go get the scotch, and, you know, because he just wants to get her drunk, right? Um, and, you know, there's a way of reading that to think he didn't really think the world was going to end or anything. He thought, well, if I just tell Mrs. Smith that we're going to have to hide in the bunker alone, you know, I'll get my chance with her. And finally, she has sex with a Fanul only after a few moments together with him in that same bomb shelter. In her longest spoken sentence, she talks about how weak and unprotected she feels without a man to protect her. Um, now, Dick really does succumb to the sexism of his era. And I, and I think as documents of the era, the, these stories are nice. But I think it's really easy to, to be uncomfortable when you, when you read these now. Um, the story could have been told from Mrs. Smith's perspective, perhaps, give her ultimately a, a much more central role in saving the world. Maybe she's the one who seduces the Fanul. Maybe she figures something out. She she takes the she she uses her sexuality to to win the day, but that's not how it's presented here, right? It's it's not even about sexual freedom so much as just she's there for for someone to to have sex with. Um, it would have probably made a better dirty joke too uh, if if he would have done it more from a woman's point of view or had a more strong uh, women woman character because uh, she is important to the story. Um, so that's I guess that's it. That's all I'm going to say about the war of the war with the Fnools. Uh, it it is what it is. Um, so in my next episode, I'll be looking at uh, what the dead men say, uh, which is a story that about um, kind of the conflict between the old and the young and how the elderly can hold on to institutions and things. It's a, it's a good story. It connects to Ubik in, in a way, but not fully. It's, got, it's kind of its own thing, but it's often you know, tied to Ubik because of the use of this half-life technology. Uh, so that, that'll be a fun one. So I'll have a little bit more to say about that in that episode about that story. Um, but that's all I'm going to say for now with the, uh, with the war, uh, with the Fanuels. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. If you have your own interpretation of this story, if you have any comments on Dick's uh, sexism, his attitude towards women, how he portrays women, you know, does it change over time? Is it kind of a permanent blight on his reputation? You know, it's, you know, we talk endlessly about like Lovecraft's uh, racism or Wagner's anti-Semitism, and, and, you know, we can debate to what degree those works by those artists are affected by it, right? I, I think he, there's... On some thematic levels, you can't avoid the fact that Dick seems to have some hang-ups about women, and they come up again and again in, in his stories. Um, now, there are certain themes of, of his that you can you can kind of set that aside and still study, but especially when he's talking about the family, mental illness, some of these themes, he you, know, you really can't avoid the problem with women characters that Dick sometimes has. So have, give me your thoughts on it. it. Maybe this isn't the right story to even really talk about this. Maybe we should reserve it for maybe Now Wait for Last Year or some of those novels where you know we really can sink our teeth into his portrayal of women. But anyways, that's going to be it for now. Please leave your comments below or send me an email at 100pagescast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, but um, if not, I'll see you next time where I'll be looking at What the Dead Man Say. You must search till you find the bluebird. You will find peace and contentment forever if you.